Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and I'm glad to have you with us. Darla Karpov, nobody loves our ministry more than you, including me. Jeff, Joanne, Lyric. Lyric, glad you're here. Need, a, need some help. What number did we lead off on as we continue taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers? If I could have a little more mic in the monitor. Uh, taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers, part four. Hey, Vera, I'm glad you're on. There's certain people that when they're on, I know who they are. I know God's hands on their life. And if they were the only one on, it would be worth teaching because it'll help them. A lot of what I teach, I want to give you what nobody ever gave me. You know, a lot of the only advice you got as a Christian was press into God, pray more, and that, read the Bible. That's all great advice. <clears throat> but then there's practical things in life that the Bible deals with, that people need help with. And I want to give those to you. So I'm glad everybody's on. What number are we on, Lyric? We left off at number 19, so we're on number 19. Let's get moving. Number 19. Solomon established a projection schedule and began working. Uncommon achievers establish a schedule for their goals and begin working. Uncommon Achievers establish a schedule for their goals and begin working. And again, I'm drawing heavily from two ministers, um, Pastor Matthew Ashimaloa and Pastor Mike Murdoch. And I know Pastor Ashimaloa drew from Mike Murdoch. They're friends on, uh, on his message on the 20 Habits of Uncommon Achievers. And I'm taking a lot of what Dr. Mike Murdoch taught because this is his area, his gifting. Wrote some of the best stuff that you can get on this. And then I'm adding a bunch of my own. And I'm putting my own filter, obviously, on, on a lot of the other points. Number 19, uncommon achievers establish a projection schedule and begin working. I want you to write this underneath. At some point, you must stop preparing and start doing. Some people are always getting ready, always planning. We're planning a crusade in the year 2024. Then 2024 rolls around, there's just more planning. It turns into a leaders meeting. At some point, write this down right underneath that, at some point you have to stop planning and start doing. So uncommon achievers get moving. A dream turns into a vision when you put a date on it. If I wanted to be president of the United States, which I in no way want to be president of the United States, but if I did, 
That's a dream. Now I need to decide what steps do I need to take that are going to move me towards the presidency? What practical steps? Where am I going to get my funding from? What do I have to do in order to get the funding? What events do I need to be at? Who's my opposition that I need to defeat? How do I defeat them? And start moving. Well, tell your seven-year-old I said thank you, but it's not happening. Um, I'm going to tell you something interesting. Most of you know, if you've been following us, that we... Uh, Beverly, where did Dr. Mike Murdoch come to in Maine? It must have been uh, Abundant Life in Bangor, I'm guessing. I can't imagine any church in Maine having the class to, to host him other than that one that, that would have like been in that flow back then. Um, most of you have heard me tell, tell you that this building was given to us. I was leaving Check the News one night and the previous owner of the building was in the parking lot, and he said, I want to tell you something. If you guys didn't move on the building the way that you did, I never would have given it to you. I would have had you pay for it. He said, when I told you you could start working on it, and you had people in there the next day, you know, my brother-in-law, Abel, and he began construction, and I saw how seriously you took it, that's when I made the decision to give it to you. I'm not uh, trying to pat myself on the back, at all, but I am, I am going to tell you, most people, if they were given the same building we were given, it would still be empty and not having services in it. Do you know we've put over a million dollars into this building, and it was free, but the chairs aren't free, the carpet's not free, the lights aren't free, the electricity, wiring's not free, nothing's free. So there's a lot of people you could give them something, and they would wait. Well, now we have to raise money. You know, if you could help us, we need to build out. Get moving. Uncommon achievers, establish a projection schedule and begin working. At some point, you must stop preparing and start doing. I don't mean stop learning. I mean stop with the, the phase of whatever you, you feel called to do, that I need this and I need this and I don't have this. There's always going to be things you require. Get moving. The old saying is the provision is on the battlefield. If you wait till you have everything, I think it's Ecclesiastes that says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Let me find the scripture. Ecclesiastes 11.4 in the Living Bible. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. In the King James, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Well, we can't plant our seed today. It looks like it's probably going to rain. Well, we can't harvest today. It's cloudy out. It's probably going to rain. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Get moving. Uncommon achievers establish a projection schedule and begin working. At some point, you must stop preparing and start doing. Number 19. Nope. 
Number 20. Second Chronicles 9.3. See how many of these we can fly through today. Second Chronicles 9.3. When the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials. Listen to that. The organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievement and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. Number 20, Solomon established order and flow to everything that he did. Number 20, uncommon achievers establish order and flow to everything they do. I want you to write something down underneath that, and I've taught on it before a little bit. I want to teach on it again a little bit. Write down systems are better than goals. By, and systems, I'm talking about order and flow, a system, that, a system that your business has, a system that your ministry has. Who handles your phone calls? What's the flow of when a phone call hits your office? What's the phone call of mail that comes to your office? What's, what's, the, what's, the, flow, what's the flow of mail that comes to your office? What's the flow if somebody walks through the door of, of your building to visit? What's the flow? Who handles them? What's your daily flow? Systems are better than goals. If you don't put a system in place, a daily system, I have Saturdays off because the Bible says to take one day and chill. Even the land needs a, day to, a year out of every seven years to chill. God has a Sabbath system. You don't work every day, you burn out. If you take one day and replenish, uh, you're honoring God's system. So other than that, though, there's a flow. If I went on, if I decided to go on YouTube when I feel like it, I'd probably go on four times a month. There's a system in place. I'm going to be on every morning at 10.15 a.m. We're going to have prayer, whether I feel like praying or not, at noon to one. I'm going to work out. That's at staggered times, but I'll work out in the afternoon, whether I feel like it or not. There's things that you make as part of a daily system. And I was thinking, you know, the year, look how, look how much of the year is gone already. If you don't put a system in place, the years will slip through your fingers and you'll be in the exact place three years from now that you are right now with a bunch of unrealized dreams. So you need to have a daily flow for yourself. I'm, I'm going to throw this in as a side note. I put my phone on do not disturb when I go to sleep and I take it off do not disturb when I wake up. I refuse to allow my day to be dictated by somebody's phone call of their panic. And of course, I don't have people that work with me that would do that anyway, but I'm not having somebody call, I'm not having my day start with a call at 8.07, you know, 
we really need help. Um, so-and-so needs prayer. There's people I wish I never gave my phone number to because they, they don't respect systems. My, my cell phone number is not a prayer hotline. I've had the same number since Bible school, so there's people I gave my number to a long time ago. You know, the only time I ever hear from them, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my son? We have a prayer line. This is my phone number. I'm home with my family. I have friends in the ministry. If we're doing business together, my office goes through their office. I don't call them on the phone, on their cell phone. Hey, I never got on the mailing that you sent. Have systems and respect other people's systems. I have somebody who schedules visitors, engagements. I have to do that. I can't do that. If I did that, I'd be triple booked. I would, I would forget. I'm not, that's not my gift. That's whatever the opposite of a gift is. I, I'm awful at that. So I have a system in place. Solomon had great people who worked with him, and he had them well organized. Brennan is on the floor with me running the floor. It's not his job. To do anything else but media. Design. Technical things. Rom's job is to run these broadcasts. Nick produces good media. That's his job. So there's not 20 people that don't know what their, their job is. We actually just hired our 31st person full-time, and their job is they're a receptionist because every time the phone rang, someone had to answer it, and it kept pulling people out of their tasks. So now we're going to pay somebody a full-time salary to answer the phone and direct the calls to the department they need to get directed to so that so that it, phone calls don't break people's productivity. And you have somebody answer the phone from one department, and it's a question, hey, um, I spoke with a Nick about microphones that you guys wanted to order, and the person that answered the call has no idea about microphones or what the order was. Well, now there's a receptionist. They know the department. That's a lot of money to pay somebody just to answer phones, a full-time salary. But the hope with anybody you hire and the way that it should work is that them receiving those calls and handling and being a part of that system, the money you pay them, in it allowing people to be more productive by not having to answer the phone, it'll produce more than that amount of money for the ministry. If I pay a chauffeur, which I haven't yet, but I'm considering, if I pay a chauffeur to drive me to my house and back, it's a lot of money to pay somebody to drive when you could drive yourself. But the hope is if I paid somebody 50000 45000 whatever a year to drive me back and forth from my house, what can I do during that 20-minute drive every day? It's 20 minutes to study on the way up, 20 minutes to study on the way back, 20 minutes to write letters. 40 extra minutes of productivity a day. I think if you gave me an extra 40 minutes a day, I could outproduce that chauffeur's salary.
uncommon achievers establish an order and a flow to everything they do. Common underachievers don't have any order or flow. You can go hang out with them. You can show up at somebody's small church and they're like, hey, want to go out to lunch? Sure. Hang out all day, drive around. But then when you, when you hit a certain point, there's, and it's been weird for me because I, I was that other guy. I liked, I liked having, uh, doing whatever I want, whenever I want. And I still do that to an extent. But not now, it's been weird for me because anytime somebody told me they're coming to Pittsburgh and said, hey, I'd like to meet up with you, I'd say, sure, let's go to dinner. Now I can't do it anymore. I have all-night prayer coming up in a few nights. That night's out. The next night I have communion. That's out. I guarantee you after Sunday morning service, after having prayed all night Friday, I'm probably not going to want to go out. And I have stuff going on. Shooting for TV. So I'm sure some people that used to know me 15 years ago that I can't, I can't go hang out with them when they come to town 12 hours a day. But I, I literally can't. I have a system, I have an order, and I have a flow, and, and, it, and it's required. Establishing a good system and order and flow will keep you from burning out as the leader. Do what you feel to do. Don't do anything you don't feel like doing. Do what your gifting is and have others do the things you don't want to do. A very wealthy businessman pulled me aside and told me that he's concerned about how hard I'm working. I told him, I, I don't. Speaking is not working. This is, my, this is the thing God gave me to do. This is easy for me. Prayer is easy. Preaching's easy. That's all in the anointing. But if I have to start picking up catered meals at a restaurant to prepare for guests we're having and go run, do, do stuff that's not in my gifting, then I would get burnt out. The old saying is, hard work never killed anybody. Wrong work kills people. Do what your assignment is, and the others that God brings into your life to help you, utilize them, and don't feel bad about it. I have somebody cleaning my vehicle right now because birds crapped all over it. I'm not driving around as a pastor with a vehicle with, with crap all over it. I'm representing the kingdom. So that's being cleaned while I'm doing this. That goes against everything I was taught growing up. I like our pastor. He's so humble, he'll clean his own car. Well, I don't know if it's a lack of humility or what, but I'm not. I have other things to do. That, that and I have, we have people on staff that, that take care of me, take care of Adalis. They're attentive to us. And I don't feel bad about it. If you're a pastor, you should grab a mop and clean the toilets every once in a while. I disagree. I totally disagree. It's stupid. There's people that do that. We hire cleaners for the church. And the man cleaning my car, it's not because he's less than me, but he came, he came to Revival Today Church to do maintenance and carry shipping boxes up. That's his job. That's what he likes doing, and, he's a, and he likes helping me. So 
I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel bad if somebody has to run and get, I'm not talking about abusing people. Everybody here is paid. We already covered that, that you compensate people. But there's, there's things I'm not doing. Order and flow. Uncommon achievers establish an order and a flow. Twenty one. First Kings four twenty nine. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded, by the way, the monitor and sounds perfect, so if you guys can keep it there for me, just like it is now. In fact, his wisdom exceeded all of that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anybody else. 32, he composed some 3,000 proverbs, and wrote a thousand and five songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants. And kings from every nation set their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Number 21. Solomon made himself a lifetime student. Uncommon achievers make themselves lifetime students. Always be studying Always be collecting wisdom that pertains to the thing God called you to. Now, I want you to write this down underneath that point. Very few things pertain to my assignment. So, so there's a lot of things I don't care about. But then on the, on the other side, when it comes to the Bible, I was talking to a businesswoman yesterday. And she said, my husband's impressed how you don't speak with notes and how you quote the Bible all the time without having to look at anything. Well, that's my job. This is a stat. Now, the Bible's alive, but I'm saying it, it's static in the sense that there's 1 Peter and then there's uh, the chapters in 1 Peter. Five of them. When I wake up in the morning, there's not going to be a sixth chapter of 1 Peter. It's, it, it's the same. So if somebody can memorize all the ticker symbols on the Dow Jones, and you can call them and ask them, and they can, they can rattle off what the CEO just said, then a minister should know his book. Should know it forwards and backwards. And I should know it better, better than I do. But if you want to see somebody that, can, that knows the word, Look at Bishop David Oyedepo. Kenneth Hagin, when he was on the earth, one scripture after another from memory. 1 Kings 4, beginning at verse 29, Jennifer. Uncommon achievers make themselves a lifetime student. Now, in that, you don't just learn everything. You, have you ever been around some people, they just know anything you bring up. College football, art galleries. They actually know about too many things. 
Become a specialist in your knowledge. I don't think Ram, in, in the, not that I've spent a ton of time talking to him, but Ram, that's head of our media department, I don't think he knows anything about the stock market or investing. That's fine. Hey, Pastor Stan, good to see you. But he knows about this stuff. If my dad calls him and asks him, Ram, in our ministry, we were looking to do this. What would you recommend? I mean, it, get a pen and paper. He's, he, he knows his, his thing. There should be something that you're very knowledgeable on, and you should be up to date on your knowledge on that. Pilots have to retrain. I'm not sure how many months it is, six months, something like that. They have to go for retraining. You want to not only have knowledge in your field, you want to have fresh knowledge in your field. You don't want to be a doctor that's promoting the 1990s FDA food chart that you should eat tons of bread and grains and very few fruits and vegetables. Your knowledge is out of date. Uncommon achievers make themselves a lifetime student. And I'll add to that, in their area. And I'm going to say this, if you're a preacher that loves another thing, like you know a lot about cars or you love investing, I would consider quitting the ministry and doing that instead. I believe there's a lot of people in the ministry that should be doing something else. They got pushed into it. They were the, they were the only kid living for the Lord in their youth group. So their youth pastor told them they should go to Bible college and they kind of just flowed into ministry, but their passion's not in ministry. Their passion's in, in something else. I met a guy when I was preaching in Indiana. He was another pastor. This was years ago. He had on a college football sweatshirt, and then I sat down. He said, do you like college football? I felt like, no, and I can see you do. I mean, we just met. I'm going to preach in, a, in like 15 minutes. I'm not talking about the Lord, not talking about the Bible, not saying... I've been fasting all day believing for souls. Do you like college football? I said, not really. I like football, you know, and I've watched it. Oh, man, I was watching the Nebraska game. They just got this new quarterback out of such and such a high school. And then he invited me to preach at his church, and I went for some reason. He had probably 35 people, and the church was a dump. That guy should get involved in something to do with college football, a recruiter for a Division I program. And I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm saying you should be in the thing that you're passionate about. If I was 16 and I loved playing video games, which I was 16 and loved playing video games, and I'm 41 and love playing video games, I would look to get a career, whether it was me creating my own YouTube channel or a Twitch, what is it, Twitch? Twitch. I would, I would look to make a living in the thing I love to do. Look to make a living in the thing you love to do. You like flowers? Go for, go for it. Be a florist. I will tell you, as a parent, if I had a child who loved playing video games, I wouldn't... I, I'd pay attention. Quit playing those video games. No, I'd say, have you started a YouTube channel or a Twitch channel yet? 
Well, start one or quit playing video games. I'd pay attention to what your kid loves to do. I want to try to talk about You can make money at anything. You make money at comedy. All they ever do is joke around. There's a lot of money to be made in that. Of course, every once in a while, you might get slapped in the face by an Academy Award-winning actor. But now his ticket sales are through the roof for his up upcoming tour, the aforementioned ass assault victim. I'd pay attention to what you're passionate about. What do you love to read about? What interests you? You don't have to get a normal job. You can. There's nothing wrong with it. I think a Nick that, that works for us, works with us, he loved all this stuff. So he came, his parents allowed him to leave high school and come work with us his senior year. He finished online. And he's doing now what he loved doing when he was 16 and 17. I'm asking you, and I'm not asking you rhetorically. I want you to write it down. What is the thing you love to do where 14 hours can go by and you don't, do you love to shop? I'd look, I'd look in to go into the Northern California, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and being a professional shoplifter. No, being, being a uh, personal shopper. Or uh, what's the app that, that they allow you to do that? That you go and shop for people. Shipped. You, make, you can make good money. You like shopping? You can do it all day. Literally, all the things people think are bad habits. I'm on social media I, too much. I'm, I have a, you can make a lot of money on social media. Stop looking at those kind of things as like vices that you really need to like stop doing and get settled down. And get some job where you, you in a cubicle. You don't have to. I love to golf. Golf. Get good at it. I love to fight. Fight. Professionally. Not illegally. You love working out? Become a trainer. Do something that has you in the gym all day. There's so many people that treat the thing they love to do as like something they need to like get a handle on and stuff, when really that's probably your main thing. There's a lady that goes to our church. She loves talking to people. She's very warm. And we're about to hire her to call everybody that's a partner with our ministry every month and pray with them. She likes doing that. 
<laughs> Thanks, Raina. My husband loves golfing. All my son likes doing is he's always out there playing basketball. I told him he needs to get in here and do his homework. Do his homework for him and tell him to go out there and don't come back till he's hit 500 three-pointers. Can you imagine if Shaquille O'Neal's mom was concerned about his reading? And then you need to obviously you need to find a way to make a living doing what you're doing. But there is a way. That's where the creativity comes in from. That's where God, God and his anointing comes in. Or the Lord will show you a path to do the thing that you love. I'm glad, you know, I, I, I don't thank my parents enough. Of course, my dad was and is an evangelist. But I, I imagine if I didn't have him. Imagine if they treated me traveling and preaching when I was in my early 20s and coming back home with 300 bucks after driving seven hours somewhere and seven hours back. All right, now listen, I know you like doing this, but how much did they give you? $300? Obviously, you can't keep, keep doing that for a living. You're still living at home. You need to get a job. No. They gave me time. You know, um... I don't know if he'd like me saying this or not, but I'm going to say it. Pastor Tom Lapley, I follow his son, Charles Lapley, on Instagram, who, who's doing MMA. And I was in the car with Pastor Tom. We were driving to go get something to eat late, late at night down in Florida. And he said, um, I told him you can live at home and we'll take care of your bills and stuff. I'll give you till you're 25 to make a run at MMA fighting. And he's in the gym like you need to be. Four hours a day, six hours a day, and he's going for it. And he's, he, he knocked one guy out in four seconds. Now, that is a great father. 99 out of 100 would say, all right, you need to get, quit. how long are you going to do that for? You need to start thinking about your future. You could. I'm glad my parents, you know, whether it's MMA or evangelism, there was about, let me tell you something. <laughs> There was about six years after I got out of Bible school where it looked like I was going in no direction whatsoever. Very little money. I was thinking, you know, we just hired our 31st person. I preached at churches that had less than 31 people all the time. Now if I call a staff meeting, there's, and not that that's a ton, there's people that have thousands of staff members, but... It wasn't always like this, my friends. There was a time where if my mom and dad said, listen, yeah, this evangelism's not working out. You need to get serious. You need to get a job. I wouldn't have been able to make a counter-argument. There was nothing in my life that looked like I was going anywhere. But that's why you don't go by what you see. You don't despise the day of small beginnings. Now, if the Bible tells you not to despise the day of small beginnings, that obviously doesn't just mean for you. It means for the people connected to you. Give people some runway. Nobody, you know, I won't say nobody. Very few people just take off at 19.
There's a lot of comedians that I, I follow on social media because I like to laugh. And I like listening to their stories because they're very similar to evangelist stories of how they started out and the club that they, they did stand-up comedy at and they gave them $25 or they told them they were going to pay them and then never did. I had that happen preaching. They put them in some dump of a motel to stay at. Now they're making 100000 an appearance. Have a private jet. Not in the beginning. Their parents had to, with embarrassment, our son just finished um, his licensing to become a, a, a trader on Wall Street. What's your son doing? He's performing a, do you know that little nightclub that um, got closed down by the Board of Health a couple times last year? He's performing there tonight at 1.05 in the morning. There'll be about eight people there. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Now, I don't know how I got all that out of he became a lifetime student, but I hope that helped you. And I want to see in the comments, what is the thing that if, if there was a way for you to make a quarter million dollars a year doing it, you would, you would do it today? And then if it's not the thing you're doing, I would, start, I would start looking to do it. Number 22. Genesis 15.5. This is an important one. Genesis 15.5. I'm so glad you're with me today. I'm looking forward to finishing this series together. If you're watching on the replay, let me see you today. Post something on Instagram or whatever. I'd love to see who's watching. Genesis 15.5. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars. If you can, that's how many descendants you will have. God had to give Abram a picture, a visual picture of where he was going. Look up at the stars. That's where I'm taking you. I can't, I haven't been able to come up with a good title for this one. Like that's succinct. If I was Mike Murdoch, I would have a good title for it. Like an amazing one. The Law Uncommon Achievers. Let's see if I can get some help from the crowd. I'm going to explain, I'll explain it, and then we'll see if we can come up with a title for this one together. Uncommon achievers make sure they look at where they want to go. God did that for Abram. This is something that if I would have heard about eight years ago, I would have thought it's, it's bullcrap. <laughs> but I've heard so many great 
men and women talk about their vision board. There's a pastor named Paul Nietzsche. He just finished a church that seats 90,000 people. Listen to this now. He said for a long time they were stuck at five to 6,000. And he was determined to get to 20,000. So he wrote 20,000 down and put it on his bedroom ceiling for when he laid down and went to sleep. So it was the last thing he saw before he went to sleep and the first thing he saw when he woke up. And then he put it on his bathroom door and by the mirror, just the number 20,000, kept looking at it. And he said they were at 20,000 for several years before he realized he had crested 20,000 because he had looked at it for so long and got that in his spirit for so long that when it happened, he wasn't even surprised. Vera said, uncommon achievers are vision-minded. I like that, but then people are, are going to conflate that with having a vision, like, like a vision for their ministry or whatever. I'm like the law of looking, but I don't like how that sounds. Uncommon achievers honor the law of What's a synonym for vision? Uncommon achievers honor the law of sight. And then write this underneath. Where you're looking today will be where you're living tomorrow. Where I'm looking today will be where I'm living tomorrow. Where's the scripture for that? Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom. Lot pitched his tents facing Sodom, where was he living shortly after? I'm looking for you to answer me. Lot pitched his tents toward Sodom, facing Sodom. Where was he living shortly after? Sodom. Where I'm looking today will be where I'm living tomorrow. What you put in front of your eyes affects your perception. I was believing, and I, let me rephrase that. I was considering buying a personal aircraft. I got a magazine that Dr. Rodney gave me from the FBO in Pittsburgh that listed all of the jets that were for sale in this one company. Well, one of the jets, listen to this now, one of the jets that was for sale, or aircraft, listen now, had three guest bedrooms, two guest bathrooms, a master bedroom, 
a master bathroom with shower and everything. A dining room, a living room, a theater, and a library. All of a sudden, the 10-seat plane I was looking at didn't seem like that big a deal. Now, instead of feeling like I was believing for some huge thing, I felt like I was believing for a Honda Civic, which is a great car, reliable car. But you understand what I'm saying. Looking at big expands your capacity. God had to show Abram the stars to get him a picture. I'm not going to give you a sun. I'm going to give you, can you count the amount of stars that are in the sky? That'll be how your descendants are. The Jewish people today number over 7 million and growing. I've told you, now, these are the kind of things that I would get cursed out years ago if we were on social media when, 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 you're, when the algorithm would allow you to go to everybody. Because if you say this kind of stuff, then people just think you're materialistic. But I follow, I follow an account on Instagram called Rob Report. They show you the biggest yachts, the biggest homes, the biggest, most extravagant hotels. And I, I should use extravagant instead of biggest. I want to know what's out there. I want to have a picture. I want to see how big life is, how far you can go. Then you never can get tricked into thinking that something that's actually very small is very big. It, it's not cheap to fly to Lagos, Nigeria and go to Bishop Oyedepo's church. But I wanted to get a picture. I wanted to look and be in the largest church on planet Earth at that time. I wanted to see what it looks like to have 55,000 people attend a church service indoors. I wanted to see what a 5,000-person choir looked like. I wanted to see an operation that had 1,100 pastors on staff. Now you think, if I hadn't done that, then if we get, have 1,000 people come here at Easter, I'm going to think I'm the man. Wow, I don't know any other churches around here that had 1,000 for Easter. But when you've seen how far you can go, you realize you're not even on rung one of the ladder. You start seeing what's possible. And it actually expands your faith. When the Lord tells you that you're going to have as many descendants as the stars of the sky, it starts to get easier to believe for one kid. Notice how, how God worked. Oh, you want a son? I'll give you 7.5 million descendants. Well, and the Bible says, the next verse says, Abraham believed God and God counted. So he believed that. Now it gets easy to, uh, to believe for the one son. If you think owning a, pri a private plane is a big deal, then it's a big deal. If you see that people own jets that are floating homes, then the one you're believing for, well, if somebody can do that, I can do this. What did I call it? The law of sight. Uncommon achievers honor the law of sight. Where you're looking today will be where you're living tomorrow.
I'm telling you, four years ago, I would have thought vision boards are stupid. John G. Lake, in his message, the, the, the Cry of the Soul, talked about an office. You know, he was a very wealthy man before he sold everything and went to go preach in South Africa. There was an office that he desired. in somebody's insurance building in Chicago. And a building that he acquired had that office exactly as the other office without him making it that way. And he said he believed that when your heart gets set on something, that, that, that actually spiritual powers go to work to create it for you. And I could tell stories all day of preachers and Christians and people I know that have said the same thing. They got a picture of what they wanted and it came into their hand. Pastor Bob Nichols down in Fort Worth, Texas went to a conference at a Baptist church. It was the most beautiful church he'd ever been in. And he said, I said under my breath to the Lord in the lobby, it would be great for a full gospel church to have a building like this. 11 or 12 years later, that church was going out of business and called him and said, we thought of you. You're the only church in the area that we feel like could sustain this size building. If you'd like this church, we'll make a deal with you. And the church, he walked in and saw and said, I would like this for a full gospel work. He didn't get a church like that. He got that exact church. Don't tell me you don't recreate what you look at. That's why you got some white kid in Maine right now driving around with his hat on backwards in a, a, a low roller vehicle with his arm out the window listening to Snoop Dogg. He's never been to Compton. He's not in a gang. There's no gang within 250 miles of him, 500 miles of him. But he's looked at something long enough that he's a rural Maine gangster. My dad told me when he would go preach in the villages in Alaska, they were all wearing traditional native attire. The teenagers, everybody. And then the village got the internet. And he went back to preach the year after they got the internet. And all those kids in Alaska, in rural Alaska, up in the villages, are wearing backwards Yankee hats and chains. Nothing against chains. I'm just saying what you look at replicates itself. Was that 22? I'll finish with 23. That was 22, right? Laura said, I remember you putting a blessing over my husband's business, Jonathan, and he's been busy since. Never had to advertise business, just comes in when the previous job is done. That's awesome. Ah, I like that, Maria. What you behold is who you become. I wanted to see Bishop David Oyedepo. There's other places I'm looking to go. I want to see it. I want to have a picture of it. 
You should have made time, and if you haven't, you should after today. Whoever is the top in your field, you should go visit them. Not at their home, that'll creep them out. At a conference they're doing, at their office. So that was 22. I'll close with 23 today. So we're not even halfway through. Number 23, uncommon achievers can admit they were wrong. If something's not working, shut it down. Don't run your life or your business into the ground because you have too much pride to admit you made a mistake. If I feel to launch a ministry out of this church, and in two years it's cost $400,000 and it's produced three new souls and no one's attending, I can keep hemorrhaging money and not having any results, or I can realize, well, either A, this was not implemented right, or B, God never had his hand in this, but I'm, I'm shutting it down. Bishop David Oyedepo tells a story that he couldn't get a church. Hello, Pastor Jess from Alberta, Canada. The truckers love you, brother. Tell the truckers I love them. Love you too. I'm, I'm with you. Bishop David Oyedepo said he started a church and it wouldn't grow. Couldn't get people to come. Nothing was working. And he prayed about it. And the Lord said, did I tell you to build that church? And he, he told them, we're shutting down that church. They said, but the building's there and everybody knows you started it. Tough luck. Tough luck for me that I bought a building that I'm not using. We'll do something with the building, but I'm not going to keep something going just because I won't admit I'm wrong. People start ventures, and they don't work. I'm not talking about putting in your mind to quit the first time you have opposition. But good Lord, if it's been 11 years and there's nothing to show from whatever the thing is, you need to re-examine, and you need to be humble enough to announce that you're changing directions. This isn't working. I'm shutting it down. Uncommon achievers can admit when they're wrong. Some people can't. They, they just pretend like nothing happened. I follow, I've followed a few ministers on Instagram. They've been through three wives in the few years I've followed them on Instagram. I'm not exaggerating. The other one's never mentioned. They just disappear off their page. They start a church and shut down the church. No announcement. Just pretend like nothing happened. They're too proud to admit You know, tell people. Nobody likes having a conversation about something failed. Listen, I know we started this. It is in no way achieving the results that we desired it to achieve. I'm not going to hemorrhage money, and I'm not going to waste years of my life in it. We're shutting this down, and we're doing this instead. Don't continue doing something for 35 years you, you, because of pride. Because somebody told you 35 years ago, I don't think you should do that. And it turns out they were right, but you don't want them to know they were right. There's people that are going to go to hell because they can't admit they're wrong. You know that? Their, their brother, their parent told them, you should serve the Lord. <clears throat> You're making a mistake. Don't live like that. And they rebelled. No, I know, you'll see. 
and everything's going to, to pot, and they won't admit it. They won't go to church. They won't get saved because if they did, it would be an admission that their mother was right all along. So they'd actually rather go to hell than admit they were wrong. You talk about pride coming before destruction. Pride makes it where you can't admit you're wrong. You won't go to Bishop David Oyedepo's church and look at what he does because you'd have to admit there's a pastor who knows more than you. You won't go to anybody else's conferences. You won't go, go hear anybody else preach except you because you'd have to admit there's a preacher that actually has something worth saying beside you. That's why pride comes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. Admit you made a mistake. Uncommon achievers can admit they were wrong. That's why pride leads to destruction. Everybody says pride comes before the fall, but it's pride comes before destruction, haughtiness before the fall in the book of Proverbs. Pride makes it where you won't admit you messed up. People will go to hell because of pride. They'd rather burn in hell than give their mother the satisfaction of seeing them come to church and come to the altar and receive Jesus Christ. That's true. That's why people's family members usually can't lead their family to the Lord because the person has too much pride to admit, all right, okay, I'll pray with you. You were right. I should have listened to you 15 years ago. Almost no one's going to do that. They'd rather just turn on you. And you think you know everything. You think because your marriage is working out and I, mine isn't that you know you're, yeah, you know, there is something to that. If somebody had everything in their life flourishing and everything in my life was rotting, I would be humble enough to take some notes about what they're doing. That's why it's good with family members to pray that God sends laborers into the field because they'll listen to a stranger and you're going to have to be humble enough to enjoy them getting saved through someone else who told them literally everything you've already told them. They're going to come. You know, I, I actually started going to church. Now, if they don't go to your church, at least they're still going to heaven. So don't get upset and don't, you know, I, they, they told me this, this, and this, and it just really resonated with me. They, I told you all that. I told you that better than they said it. That's pride. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad, glad, you, glad God sent somebody that you understood. Obviously, my words weren't put together well. I'm glad you're in heaven. I'm glad you're on the path to heaven. Admit, admit you messed up. If you did, I'm not saying you have to mess up. You notice I never said anything like, now there's going to be times in all of our lives where we make huge mistakes. No, you don't have to make any mistakes. But if you did, it's never too late to be right. And the sooner you make a correction, the better. If I need to get on Interstate 70 East and I accidentally get on Interstate 70 West, I'm not going to drive all the way to Denver, Colorado so that I don't have to hear my wife say, see, I told you we went the wrong way. No, we're going the right way, and I'll prove it. I'll drive straight out to Denver before I make a U-turn. Some people won't make a U-turn. 
And if there's an area, if there's an area that you, you um, need to make a U-turn in, make it today. Don't put it off one day. Uncommon achievers can admit they're wrong. They have humility. That's why pride brings destruction and humility brings exaltation. If you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. Humble, humbleness allows you to re-examine your decisions. It allows you to learn from others. It allows you to be an uncommon achiever. Father, bless every person. I pray you turn everybody reading this and everybody who's watching me right now, everybody that's listening to the podcast, let them experience uncommon achievement this year and turn them by your grace into an uncommon achiever. Thank you for speaking us today. Thank you for empowering us to make the decisions we need to make. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never given your life, if you're one of the people I was talking about, that to prove a point, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell to spite somebody else. I want you to give your life to the Lord and do it right now. Repent of sin. Make the U-turn spiritually. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I truly repent. I humble myself. And I give myself to you. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let me know you prayed just because I'm curious, right? I did in the comments. I'd like to see who I prayed with. And then secondly, more importantly, go to revivaltoday.com. Click I just got saved. And when you fill that out, I'm going to send you a book and other materials to help you live the Christian life. And if you don't have a pastor, I'd love to be your pastor. I'm here at Revival Today Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's an excellent church, and we'd love for you to make your home here. For verse 23, let's do pride comes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. That's in Proverbs, and you're going to have to find the chapter and verse for me. Thanks for praying. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to sow seed into the work of the Lord, and I want to challenge you to do that today. Um, there's two books I'm going to send you that I did not tell the media team, so you're going to have to take my word for it unless they, they're somehow uh, able to just find it at the drop of a hat. One is called Secrets from, of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived, Wisdom Keys from the Life of Solomon. That's by Dr. Mike Murdoch. And the other one is The Leadership Secrets of Jesus. Oh, look at these guys. 31 Master Secrets from the Life of King Solomon. Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived. So if you've enjoyed this teaching, there's more of it in here. And I used some of the influence from that, that book's head on my life. So I'm giving credit to who credit's due. Dr. Mike Murdoch, Pastor Matthew Ashimaloa. Keep that up. 58 wisdom keys 
that can unleash the greatest miracles you've ever experienced, The Leadership Secrets of Jesus by Dr. Mike Murdoch. These are two of his best books. I'm going to send them to everybody today that sows a seed of any size. Thank you for all the kind words in the comments. Here's the ways you can give. Easiest way, revivaltoday.com and click give now. If you're on Facebook, hashtag donate. Then there's the example of how you'd type it. Hashtag donate and then the amount. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for your giving, everybody. Um, you can do cryptocurrency. They'll leave that up for a second. You can scan the uh, QR code. Hello in Indio, California. I had a great time there. If you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you want to speak to a human being, 412-446-2332. If you're international, plus one, 412-446-2332. Don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim my offer. That's very important. That ensures we have your name and address to send you the books, which I really want to do. Thanks, Velma. Great seeing you in Cincinnati. Uh, you like today. Lyric has posted on the app the, um, the points. So we're 23 out of 50 so far. Looking forward to tomorrow already. Uh, Jonathan, are you going to hold meetings in Toronto in the future? If your country gets its act together... I'm not speaking to some 25% capacity building that does vaccine passports or masking. I'm not preaching to masked people. Um, some very important announcements. Our first all-night prayer is this Friday. Keep me on the side if you would. So we have miracle service at 7. All night prayer will begin about 11 o'clock till 6 in the morning. I want you to come in from wherever you are in the country and join us for that. Saturday, 6 p.m. communion service. Sunday, 10 a.m. Can somebody say road trip? Thank you, Tracy. God bless you and your husband. Somebody said that Jonathan would hold meetings in Siberia, though. Yes, it has the same climate as Canada and more freedom. More freedom to preach the gospel. Uh, there it is. We're in Pittsburgh. There's the address. We're right by the Pittsburgh airport. Revival Today Church. Then I want you to, to join us. The thing I have my faith out for personally is a thousand people for this Resurrection Sunday. That will be supernatural, and I'm asking for God's people to help. Sunday, 
April 17th, Resurrection Sunday, 10 a.m. It's going to be the best celebration, the best Easter Sunday since the original. I promise you that. Please be there. I really want you to come to Edmonton. I'm an unvaccinated nurse. That's great. Um, so they're, having, they're, they're letting the unvaccinated healthcare workers come back. That's great. Canada will open up, and I'll be back at some point, assuming they let me through the border. You know, once you sell several thousand T-shirts making fun of the prime minister of a nation, I, I wouldn't be the most surprised if I got to the border and they went, go back. <laughs> what else? Iowa, April 8th and 9th. Orange City, Iowa, hour and a half from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Prayer at noon, check the news at night. Oh, yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, you can put it up. You were right. Oregon, end of the month. Salem, Oregon, April 24th to the 29th, Sunday to Friday. It's going to be great meetings there. Pastor, the great Pastor Lou. Come to Montreal. Lisa, I've been to Montreal quite a few times. Lord willing, I'll be back. Oh, that's great, Adrian. I'm planning to visit your church the first Friday of June. Can't wait to see you and enjoy the presence of God from Toronto. That's great. <laughs> Tyler said they'd probably let you, Pastor Tyler said they'd probably let you in the country and want a selfie. No, I know, I know I'm knocking Canada, but I love Canada. That's why I get irritated about what the government's doing there. But the people are great. I have an invitation to a church in Vancouver, but I'm, you know, I got to wait till I feel the, the all clear in my spirit because it's like Austria. Austria opened everything up and then locked everything back down two weeks later. So when you don't have a constitution, it can change. So I got to wait till I know it's time in my spirit. My son Scott and Dr. Marnell Moore are coming in from New Jersey for overnight prayer and fasting. Wish we could be here. That's great, Pamela. Tell them I said hi. Looking forward to being with them. Get here this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You won't regret it. Think about flying here. It's likely cheaper than driving at this point. I'll see you at prayer in a few minutes. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.